following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com. As we're finally moving out of John 10 into John 11. See, how long are we going to be there, preacher? I don't know, amen. We'll see what happens. John 11, starting at verse 1. John 11 and uh, verse 1. You know, I'm not as interested in blazing through the Scripture as I am uh, from learning from the Scripture. Amen. John 11 and looking at verse 1 through 3. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany of the town of Mary and and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the uh, Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. I want to talk this morning on this subject, the glory of God and the beloved friends of our Lord Jesus Christ. The glory of God and the beloved friends of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you again for the word of God. Father, thank you that you provided for us and preserved your word in in the Bible, Father, in the King James Version of the Bible. And Father, I pray, God, as we look into that word this morning, Father, that you would teach us, uh, begin to teach us something of the glory of God, and particularly the glory of God and uh, our friendship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, bless us, teach us, strengthen us, encourage us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, the glory of God and the beloved friends of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here in our text and throughout the entire chapter, for the most part, we'll be considering the glory of God in different aspects of uh, that glory and ourselves. Uh, This morning, we're going to be talking about the glory of God and the beloved friends of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this uh, the scene is set in the town of Bethany, which is about two miles east of Jerusalem, for those of us who really know where the, all this is, this is at. No, <laughs> I vaguely know where Jerusalem is and where Bethany is. Wish I could do some fancy uh, thing that you could see a map. Look it up in some of your Bible maps in the back of your Bible. Amen. That's why they put them there. Amen. So, some two miles east of Jerusalem, now in verse 18, the Bible says, Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs. And the 15 furlongs is a measure of length, the eighth part of a mile, 40 rods, poles, or perches. Say, really, preacher? Yeah. <laughs> and you've measured this out? No, I read it in the dictionary. Uh, what, is, what are rods, poles, or perches? I don't know. Look it up. Amen. <laughs> But for the most part, uh, it's roughly two miles east of uh, Jerusalem, if you will. Matthew 21, uh, Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 12. Matthew 1, looking at verse, tw- uh, verse 12. <clears throat> Say, preacher, you should have drank more coffee. Man, I should have, but uh, pray for me. I-, I suffered and didn't drink as much. Matthew 21 
And looking at verse 12 now, And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And uh, when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things he did, that he did, the children and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased and uh, said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, Yea, uh, he says, uh, Yea, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, uh, thou hast perfected praise? And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged. This was the place where often uh, the Lord Jesus Christ would lodge when he was uh, doing business in Jerusalem, often teaching and preaching. He would lodge outside of Jerusalem in the town of Bethany. If you look with me to Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Here the Bible says, And they came <clears throat> anigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, and he sendeth his disciples forth, sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, uh, whereon never a man sat, uh, loose him and bring him bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye them, say ye that the Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without a, in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto, unto them, What do ye loosen the colt? And they said, unto them, even as Jesus had commanded them, they let them go, and they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and sat. Uh, and he sat upon him, and many spread their garments in the way. Others cast down, uh, cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way, and they uh, that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem, into the temple. And when he had looked round about, round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, and he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. He's made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. He's actually gone into the temple, looked around, and as we read earlier, he cast out those that sold the doves and what have you. Then he retires, if you will, to uh, uh, Bethany <clears throat> again Luke uh, excuse me Luke 10 Luke 10 and <clears throat> Luke 10 and verse 38 now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house so this is the same house that we find in our text in John chapter 11 and uh, verse 1 in John 12, if you look there with me, John 12, and uh, verses 1 and 2. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Uh, there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. So we see a lot of activity going on in Jerusalem 
But when the Lord was in Jerusalem, involving himself in ministry and what have you, and healing people, helping people, he did finally then leave Jerusalem and go to Bethany and go to the house of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. They were his friends. It, it doesn't appear to be that Lazarus or, or Mary or Martha were at all uh, married, living together, uh, and, and uh, what have you, and using their home as a place of ministry and uh, to the Lord a place to provide him shelter and food and a lodging when he was in uh, that area. Again, in, in John 11, John 11, and looking at verse 1, the Bible says here, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus, and of, of Bethany of the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Now the Bible doesn't, he doesn't say initially as we look into this chapter that Lazarus was his friend or what have you. And yet we look down to verse 11, it calls him a certain man. Uh, he had referred to Mary and Martha as certain people. Uh, but then if you look to verse 11, these things said he after that he had said unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Now what a blessing it is that to, to, to be able to have activity and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, he is referred in the, the, this gospel written by the Apostle John as a certain man and yet the Lord himself calls uh, uh, Lazarus and his sisters his friend. You say, well why is that important? Because folks, uh, before we're saved by the grace of God, we are not the friends of God. We are not the friends of God. Now these obviously were probably folk that were saved by the grace of God. They were the friends of our Lord Jesus Christ. As John 15, look over there with me. In John 15 beginning in verse 12. <clears throat> and what a blessing folks that we can call the Lord our friend. If we're saved by the grace of God. And he calls us uh, his friends in uh, John 15 and verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. And henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Here, uh, and he says in verse 16, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth, go and bring forth fruit. And the Lord chose us as we chose him in Christ and salvation. But he, he says, I'm calling you something, I'm, tr I'm treating you something above even a servant. Now, every Christian is the servant of the Lord. But even more so, we're above just a servant, but we are also the friend of of the Lord, if you will, in Romans chapter 5, looking there with me in Romans 5. Again, as we had said earlier, and have said several times in past, in Romans chapter 5, <clears throat> this gives us a little background into the importance of the friendship of God. In Romans 5 and 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also have access by faith, into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing the tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. 
Uh, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely will, uh, will, will for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life. Now he's talking about reconciliation. He's talking about justification. Folks, the, the reality is, is that when we're, uh, before we're saved by the grace of God, we are sinners, guilty before God, uh, and we're accountable to God for sin. Our sin separates us from the Lord, makes us the enemy, the enemy of God, rather than the friend. We're not born into this world the friends of God. When we're born again by the Spirit of God, we're justified by His grace. We are reconciled to God. God brings, if you will, two enemies together. Now, God is, is our enemy before we're saved because of our sin, not because of any wrongdoing on His part. We make ourselves the enemy of, uh, enemy of God, by the Bible, as the Bible says, by wicked works. And so when it comes to reconciliation, God has no, uh, nothing to do to in one sense, that he, has, he, he doesn't have to make anything right for himself because he's not done anything wrong. Now, when human beings are involved, as we might think of a marriage reconciliation or maybe a reconciliation in other, other circumstances, usually on both, on both parts there's some wrongdoing. There's a need to look at each other and say, okay, uh, I'm wrong in this area and I'm wrong in this area. What, what can we do to be able to come together and have a right relationship uh, together, when it comes to God and man, all that, uh, uh, all that the, the one that, uh, if you will, bears the, 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 all the problem is man. Man has sinned against God. Man is separated from God because of sin. And yet God, who has never sinned, God who is holy and perfect and true and good in all ways, chose chose to offer himself in the person of his son on the cross of Calvary to take our sins away. The things that separate us from God, Christ went to the cross of Calvary as the Lamb of God to shed his precious blood to deal with that which separates us from God. And that's our sin. In order that we can move from being an enemy to now being the friend of God. To now being the friend of God. And folks, you know what? That's so important. Not just for eternity. Folks, you know, God is not going to condemn his friends to hell. But he will his enemies. And those who choose to continue to be his enemies will face the judgment of God without mercy one day. God chooses and delights to show mercy to sinful man. And want, you know what? If there's someone in this room today who's not saved, God wants to, and delights to show mercy to you so that you will become the friend of God. Someone who, who will not only go to heaven, but folks, uh, have God as your friend in this life. You know, salvation is not fire insurance. It's a relationship. It's when we go from a place where we did not know God to a place where we know the Lord and begin to learn about him and appreciate him, have him for an eternal friend. 
Now, you know, most of us in our, in our lifetime will only have maybe a few close friends that we value very, very dearly. But I'm going to tell you something. Most men and women, young people that grow up in this world today, they have an opportunity for God to be their friend, but you know what? By virtue of their own choice, they will choose to continue to have God as their enemy. Because maybe they don't believe that they have a problem and that they imagine that they can just, they can just go to God and God will help them. And this, uh, a loving God would never send anyone to hell. And that's just not true. Because God is a God of love, no doubt. God is a God of kindness and goodness and mercy and grace, but he's also a holy God and a God of justice. And I'm going to tell you something. This world would be a, a pit to live in if it wasn't for justice. Folks, justice came from God. The whole idea and the whole concept of justice has come from God. And this world, if we did not exercise justice and judgment against evil doing, we would live in a world that was like the world before the flood. That every imagination of the thoughts of men's heart was only evil continually, and that violence filled the earth. You know, people want to, you know... The liberals want to throw out law. The liberals want to throw off restraint, at least as far as their immoral passions are concerned. They'd like to restrain us who preach uh, truth and justice and righteousness. They'd like to restrain us and keep us quiet about what we believe and about what they need to hear. But it's those things that will preserve and have preserved this nation and this world from self-destruction. Justice. Justice is important. And uh, justice should be tempered with mercy as God does himself. But you know what, folks? We still need justice. God, you know what, folks? God dealt with justice concerning sin by judging his son in our place. And I thank God for that because by virtue of him doing that, and when the Lord reveals this to us and helps us to see that God loves us and wants to be our friend, you know what, folks? We have the opportunity of having something we didn't have without that. We hear and know that God loves us and wants to be our friend. But we're going to have to trust that God alone has done all that's necessary to make us his friend. But thank be to God that there is that opportunity. Even, you know, folks, even as Lazarus and um, his sisters found out, if you look with me to 1 John 4, <clears throat> 1 John chapter 4, <clears throat> beginning in verse 14. 1 John 4, beginning in verse 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father <clears throat> sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us, God is love, and in him, <clears throat> and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. 
Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. But folks, we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Salvation is knowing about the love of God and believing in it in the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we can become, if you will, uh, the friends of God in John 11 and 3. John 11 and 3. The Bible says, Therefore, sister said unto him, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick, if you will. They understood the love of God themselves. They knew that God loved even uh, uh, um, Lazarus, though he was sick, if you will, in 1 John chapter 3 and 1. 1 John chapter 3 and 1. And what a love that is, a love to be gloried in, a love to be counted on, a love that's, if you will, involves us in a family relationship. In 1 John 3 and 1, Behold what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. But he's talking about the love of God. Behold what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us. Folks, not only to be, the, uh, to be considered a friend of God, but if you will, to have God as our Heavenly Father. The same, it's the same kind of love, a special kind of love that uh, God shows to man. The Bible says, for you're all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Look with me to Proverbs 18 and 24. Proverbs 18 and 24. but what a friend you know we sing a song what a friend we have in jesus you know when i first got saved and i i started after god had called me to preach my first (laughs) blessing was to preach in nursing homes and i like old people that's why i like some of you amen I learned to love old people, older people. I learned, learned to love even to preach to them. But I remember one of the songs that they all, most of these older folks love to sing is What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And uh, they would always seem like they would always ask for that, and so we'd sing that song. And what a blessed song it really is. I mean, I got to a point sometimes where I got a little worn out with it, amen, because once a week I was in there and we sang that song, sometimes several times. But... Uh, <laughs> but uh, it is a blessed song. It talks about our relationship uh, with our friend in Proverbs 18 and 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And you know, uh, sometimes I hear people moan and groan about, well, I don't have any friends. Well, God tells us the way to have friends is to be friendly. Amen. You know, just like mom and daddy say, be nice, be friendly. Amen. <laughs> you know, some people are grumps and grouches and and they look like they've been weaned on dill pickles. And, you know, uh, who, wa- who wants to be a friend of somebody who's grumpy and sour? Don't you just love to be around people like that? I don't. It drives me up a wall. 
Some people are that way. Uh, and yet the Bible says here in the latter part of the verse, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now it doesn't mention the Lord, but there is no friend like Jesus. Amen. There's no friend that will stick closer to you than the Lord. And sometimes we may feel abandoned by friends, but we'll never be abandoned by our friend, our Lord Jesus Christ. He sticketh closer than a brother. I know my wife has told me at times that she's talked about her relationship with her sister, Lori, and they're friends. And, you know, sometimes in that kind of relationship... Now, some sisters don't know what friendship is because they're constantly at... That never happens to some girls in, in this room, does it? Where you're fighting like cats and dogs or cats and cats. Amen. I always think of cat and feminine. Amen. But anyway, and I say cat fight. My wife says, don't say that. Uh, but, uh, and I'm talking about girls fighting. You say, uh, why would you call it a cat fight? Years ago when I was in high school in South Georgia... And I went to high school, we had 2,000 students in it. And I remember one time down in the main foyer, these two girls started to go at it. And I mean, they were spitting and clawing and hair pulling. And all I could think is, man, I wouldn't want to get, and no one wanted to get near those two. For afraid of, they were afraid to get ripped to pieces. I mean, these two went at it. So, you know, if I call it a cat fight, I understand where I'm, where I'm thinking about. <clears throat> but... Uh, what a blessing when some sisters get along. Okay, get along, sisters. Amen. My wife gets along with her sister. They used to at times work in, in different camps when the kids were younger, at junior camp and whatever, and they would work together in the kitchen. And they worked so well together that one would have her, her jobs that she did, the other one would do. And they worked really well. They didn't even have to sometimes communicate. Now, I'm sure there must have been some telepathy. My wife is that way. You know what? I used to play um, Pictionary with my wife. And she's, she's, I don't know what it is. She must be psychic. I could draw two lines on a page because I'm a stick figure kind of drawer. And she'd say, yeah, I love to play with my wife because she read my mind, which is light reading. We understand that. <laughs> very, very light reading. All I had to do is think about what I wanted to draw because I couldn't draw it. I put some squiggles on the page, you know. But I said, where are we going with this? I don't know. <laughs> don't smile. We're in church. Okay, cut that out. <clears throat> but she's friends with her sister. And they could, you know, they, and maybe you understand some of that kind of thing where you're doing something, you have a friend like that. And, you know, I think that's the way it ought to be. Again, sometimes sisters and brothers don't get along. Sisters and sisters, brothers and brothers, and so on. But uh, if you look at me to 1 Samuel 18... 1 Samuel 18, the Lord is our friend, amen, and will be our friend. Hopefully we don't fight with the Lord too much, amen. Sometimes we do. 1 Samuel 18, and let's look at verse 1. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, David did, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul, and Saul took him that day, speaking of David, and would, not let, uh, would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because 
He loved him as his soul, and Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. Now, Jonathan is the one that seems to be the one who's strongly loving David as his friend. There is nothing immoral going on here. Nothing immoral. Nothing like the nonsense that's going on in our world today. Jonathan and David were not having an immoral relationship, but they had a friendship and a love as friends like few people have. It's recorded for us in the Word of God. And what a blessing when we can have a friend like that as, as Christians and what have you, and, and things like that, whether it's at home or whatever, but it's important. And folks, God wants to have that kind of relationship with us. He wants us to be knit together with Him in love, He wants us to learn to understand and comprehend his friendship uh, for us. You know, uh, Jonathan would do anything, anything to help and support David in doing that which was right. You know, it's very important that as young people, we're careful. Young, we're? (laughs) I'm not young anymore. But anyway, that young people are careful in how you choose your friends. Because your friends sometimes can make or break you. They can make or break your life if you're not careful. And it's important that we're careful about the friends we make. Make friends of those who will help you to be your best, and you in turn will help them to be their best and help them to do right. A friend that loves you is going to help you to do that which is right, not uh, jump into evil with them. And if you have a friend that wants you to do evil, you know what, I'd think twice about continuing to be friends with them. In uh, James chapter 2, James chapter 2, and looking at verse 20, James 2, and looking at verse 20, The Bible says, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar, seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You know, uh, uh, Abraham embraced the same gospel that I preach today. God preached that gospel to him. He was saved by the grace of God. And in friendship, Abraham sought to obey the Lord. And one thing that's important to remember is as we learn of the friendship that God has for us, he loves us, he'll care for us, he'll take care of us. And folks, he desires to use you as servants of the Lord to reach others and help other people. And in obedience to God, you know, as, as the friend of God, it doesn't mean that that uh, we, we, we can just live carelessly with no concern for our friend, the Lord, and uh, uh, live carelessly for, uh, with no concern for the will of our friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to do everything in our power by the grace of God to en- enhance His ministry, His work in the hearts of men, His glory in uh, this world. In John 11, again. John 11, <clears throat> verses 1 and 2. John 11, looking at verses 1 and 2. 
Now, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany of the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. You know, uh, even <clears throat> Martha and Mary uh, served the Lord, were involved in ministering to and for the Lord. If you look at me to Luke 8 again, excuse me, Luke 10, Luke 10 again. And 38, Luke 10, again, and 38. We'll read further into the text. In Luke 10 and 38, Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. Now what is she doing? She's serving in the kitchen, helping prepare meals, helping to take care of the apostles and those that ministered to the Lord and the Lord himself. In verse 40, But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, uh, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, he's not, uh, he's not uh, condemning Martha for service. He just realizes that she's a little overwrought because of service. You know, there's a time to rest, uh, sometimes from the service of God, and there's a time to serve, and then there's a time to sit at the feet of Christ and learn from his word. And when we come to the, to the house of God, it's to worship the Lord. It's to, if you will, in a sense, sit at the feet of the Lord and hear his word. Now, I'm not the Lord, but I'm sent to, to preach to you the word of the Lord so that God can minister to you heart, your hearts. You know, uh, <clears throat> when, we, when we come together in this manner, in a sense, it's not in a sense to serve the Lord. Now, I'm serving God by preaching the word of God to you. And some serve in areas of uh, uh, parts of worship, like those that lead songs, those that play the music, those that teach Sunday school lessons and what have you. But the real thrust of what we do on a Sunday and Wednesday night is to worship the Lord. It's for you to come and hear the word of God and be taught from the Lord, uh, from his word. And there are those that minister. But there are times when we need to serve, and there are times when, like as we went out yesterday and did some canvassing and and in other areas of, of service, and what are there times for service, and there are times for uh, that times when we should just sit and worship, sit at the feet of Christ, and it's okay to sometimes to go to church and just sit and listen. It's not wrong, you know. Sometimes people say, "Well, I, I, you know, shouldn't I be doing something? Shouldn't I be doing something?" Well, sometimes God would have you to serve in different areas. But most of us, and most of all, the thrust of what we do is about teaching young people in a class, Sunday school class, us older folks, amen, in our regular services. And there's times to serve, and there are times to sit and listen. And the Lord isn't condemning one or the other. He's saying both are necessary, service and sometimes sitting at the feet of Christ. In Mark 15, excuse me, Mark 14, Mark 14 and 1. 
And after two days was the feast of the Passover. And of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the lepers, he sat at meat. There came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she brake the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and given to the poor. And they, and they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work. I mean, she's serving the Lord here. She's pouring out not only a, 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 this ointment, but she's, she's doing a service in one sense. The Lord goes on to, to help us to understand that. He says, for you, for you have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she had done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. She had done something good. She had performed a service anointing the body of the Lord Jesus Christ before his burial. Folks, it's not long after this that Christ is, is tried, uh, beaten, uh, crucified. And, uh, you know, the, whether she understood all of what she was doing or not, she did a service for the Lord, and the Lord took notice of that service. You know, here was another of his friends coming to do service for the Lord, actually to the Lord himself, if you will. <clears throat> Look at John 12 again. John 12. Now, it doesn't n name her there, but in John 12. <clears throat> looking at verse 1, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead whom he had raised from the dead and they made him a supper and Martha served but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment here again we we have her identified as Mary the the uh, sister of Martha performing a service for the Lord as his friend and servant. John 11 and 1. Excuse me, John 11 and verse 3. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is six. Now, as she, as uh, um, <clears throat> Mary, excuse me, his sisters, uh, Mary and Martha, are on, they're under the, uh, the pressure of feeling the fact that he's sick and they don't know what to do. There's no doctor that has probably been able to deal with whatever the sickness was. We know that it was a sickness unto death. They did not know it. And yet they made their appeal to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you will, I, wanna, I want us to think of this appeal as their prayer. Their prayer to their friend Jesus they're praying to the Lord, verse 27. They did so because they believed him to be someone special. In John 11 and 27, she is speaking, Martha says, She saith unto him, 
Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son, of the, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Her and Mary and Lazarus, they'd already believed. They trusted Christ. They believed him to be the Son of God. And to, 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 for him to be the Son of God is to make himself equal with God. The Son of God is God. And Martha and Mary are making their appeal, their prayer to God for Lazarus, their brother's sake. If you will, look at me in Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Here the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. It's in context with sin and dealing with the confession. It says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. But you know what? Verse 6 is talking about prayer. Seeking the Lord. He says, While he may be found, call ye upon him while he is near. Folks, Christ as is always near to his people. Christ is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And when we're in straits and dire need, and folks, at all times we should be in prayer, but especially we feel the need of our friend when we're in trouble. And so it is that Martha and Mary sought the Lord in prayer for their brother, Matthew 7. Matthew 7. And folks, you know, we need to learn even as Martha and Mary did, that the Lord is near at hand. The Lord is close to you. The Lord wants to help you. The Lord wants you to pray to him. He is that friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In Matthew 7 and 7, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being uh, evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them and ask him? Folks, he's our heavenly Father. He's our friend. Do you know what a, you know what a friend's going to do? He's going to do everything in his power to give you what you need, to help you. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Sometimes, folks, you know what? When we're in need, when we're in need, maybe we imagine, well, you know, God, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not this. I'm not that. And surely God doesn't want to hear from me. I haven't been praying like I ought to be. I haven't been doing like I ought to do. Uh, surely God isn't my friend anymore. And that's just not true. Once you become the friend of God, he becomes your friend. He is always your friend. And his ears are open unto your prayer no matter what. He wants to hear from you. He wants to know that you trust him as a friend. And you'll call and ask for help. You know, sometimes when you're in a problem at home and maybe you're out in the field, I don't know what it's like, you know, you deal with farm equipment. <laughs> Some of the farmers that take hay off of our place, sometimes they see there's a little gathering going out there. And they're dealing with farm equipment. And something's broken down. And they're all standing around. They're not just standing around, sta you know, looking at it. They're, they're, they're talking about what to do, and then they, they dive in and start trying to fix it. They're working together, trying to get a job done. 
And sometimes maybe if you're out there and you don't know what to do, maybe you'll get on a cell phone like we have today and call a friend and say, hey, you know what, I need some help here. Come and help me with my equipment. Folks, we, all of us, as Christian people, sometimes we need to talk to our friend. We need help. And be sure he's there for you. Would to God we talk to our friend all the time, even when we don't need something. Amen. But if we do, he's there. In Matthew 6. Looking at verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray our Father which is in heaven. Now he's not saying, he's not telling them to necessarily pray these words. This is the manner of our prayer. <clears throat> our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, folks, our friend is glorified when everything we need, everything we need daily, we go to him and say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I need something today. I need you today. To God be the glory, great things he had done and will do. What a blessing sometimes just to go to our friend and thank him. Thank him for what he's done and what he will do. That he continues to be who he is to us. Ephesians 3, looking at verse 14. Ephesians 3. <clears throat> I'm looking at verse 14. And for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's talking about his prayer for them. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, what love? The love of our friend. The love that our friend has for us, the love of our Father, love God, all of it. He being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and depth and length and or breadth and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Folks, there's a power at work in here. In our hearts, when we're saved by the grace of God, God's at work in us and for us. In us and for us. As our friend. As our friend. Martha and Mary are at their wit's end. And could very well have maybe just gone overboard derail but for their friend Jesus. Amen. Let's pray.